M. Rossiano. The conspiracy theories are off their tits. And you know I love conspiracy theory. I mean, fact. And Michael Lucas. My body did less great things, but it still did the job. <laughs> this is M. Salation. So the algorithms really know me. I feel so seen. I got an Apple News alert about the syphilis outbreak. They really get me. You're in M. Salation. Hello, my darlings. Welcome to M. Salation. I'm back. I'm sorry it's not Michael doing the intro again, but... I just want to do it. I said, look, if you want to do the intro for a few weeks, he said, no, I talked too fast. I didn't like it. <laughs> it was very sweet. If you haven't seen the full reaction video, it is available on our YouTube channel. I should have been sus when Liam, our videographer, and Ben and everyone who'd already heard it because I didn't listen to it said to me, oh, can you just film yourself when you're listening? I was like, what? Why? But anyway, it was very lovely. Yeah. I do love me some Michael Lucas. How are you, though? If you're coming to us from New South Wales, if you're coming in, if you're tuning in, what am I tuning in? Uh, I'm sorry. It's really shit. And you know we know, like, I'm a six-lockdown veteran. And all I can tell you is don't look too far into the future. Just wake up each day and just take, literally, just be like, okay, what am I doing next? What am I doing next? Don't look too far into the future. Purchase yourself some cute matching trackies. I can tell you that brought me so much joy finding myself online weird little quirky matching trackies. So do that. Be kind to yourselves and don't should yourself. Don't be like, oh, I should do this. I don't want to waste this. I've got to achieve this. Just don't. Just be really super gentle with yourself. This is the ultimate excuse. This this is, it's not an excuse, but it is in a way where you can say to yourself, you know what, it's pandemic and we're in lockdown. I'm not going to be perfect today. I also wanted to give you, if you're in New South Wales, some watching content. Oh my God, I just have to tell you, it's 9, 10pm. My medication has worn off. I've had a glass of wine. And honestly, how do I even focus right now? I've been watching... Okay, I'm getting back on track. <laughs> We've recorded the podcast at night. And what you're about to hear is delirium because Michael has been frantically rewriting scenes for five bedrooms because Sydney cast can't get down to film. And oh my goodness. Okay, get with it, Em. I've been watching Luca, uh, Luca, Luca on Disney. And it's the story of two little like Italian mermen for lack of a better term, or sea monsters who live in the ocean just outside of Porto Rosso and they have a beautiful friendship and the whole movie is kind of around this wonderful, I don't know, this wonderful friendship between these two boys and one of them, Alberto, Berto, he's the me in the friendship (laughs) and Luca is the Michael Lucas actually and I sent Michael a little message and said, I am your Alberto. (laughs) And if you've seen the movie, you'll understand why. One's quite sensible and one is emotional and pushes the sensible one to do things he's not comfortable with. (laughs) But it's a beautiful movie and it makes me long for Italy. And if you're just looking for something to lose yourself in and have a bit of a teary and there's a great character called Giulietta and her father and it's just so wholesome and a bit funny and Italy and so it's Luca on Disney Disney Plus I've also been watching a lot of Soul which is also on Disney Plus this isn't a Disney ad by the way Soul is incredible stars Jamie Foxx Angela Bassett Tina Fey and it's this stunning story about this jazz pianist who dies and then, you know, goes halfway between 
earth and heaven or the great beyond, they call it. It's no real religious connotations. And just learning about the stuff that lights you up on the inside. Go on, go to the days where cartoons are just there to like, you know, I don't know, you throw a roadrunner off a cliff and drop an amulet on its head. It, amulet? Amp, what are those things called that Wally Cody drops? Hey, Siri. What does Wiley Coyote drop on Roadrunner's head? Okay, I found this on the web for what does Wiley Coyote drop on Roadrunner's head. Check it out. No, but that's lazy Siri. Doesn't say ya. Uh, anyway, you know the things that. What am I trying to say? What's the word? You know those triangle weights and they've got the things written on it? I'm doing this because you're all going to be screaming at me. Coyote drop. On Road Runner. We're doing some love, Googling. We're doing some love, Googling. It's a Googling. I can't, it doesn't tell me. Oh, it doesn't tell me. I have to resolve this. It's in the tip, it's on the top of my tongue. What are they called? You're screaming it, you're screaming it at your radio, at your phone. Fuck. All right, I can't do it now. Okay, oh. I'll look it up and in the outro I'll tell you. Why was I talking about Wally Cody dropping things on heads? Oh, yeah. Like, now, it feels like all the Pixar Disney cartoons want you to, like, question your very existence and have emotional existential breakdowns. You know what I mean? Sometimes I think I just need a superficial kind of... Because <laughs> I, I always have to, like, emotionally steal myself when I sit down in front of a new Disney, Pixar, whatever it is, Coco. I cry in them all now. That hasn't been a Pixar release I haven't cried in in ages. I've been watching, oh, my God, Lux Listing Sydney on Amazon Prime. Holy shit. Like, if you're a fan of Selling Sunset, and why wouldn't you be because it's an amazing show, this is Sydney's version. This is Australia's version. And these, like, <laughs> the real estate agents are so, like, unhumanly immaculate and shiny and tanned and pristine. And some of the houses are banane. It is bonkers. We're talking $20 million houses, you know, like in Vaucluse. It's just like, it's crazy money. It's money we'll never see. We'll never know. Imagine just like your budget. What's your budget on your house? 20 mil. It's just rare, rare. And it's the only way where I'm ever going to see those type of houses really. Oh my God. I love it. I'm obsessed. I love it. I've been watching Domina. Domina on Stan. I love it. I've also been doing Drag Race All-Star Season 6 and I've inhaled the new season of Atypical. I am a combination of Sam and his sister. If you could combine Sam and Casey into one person, that was me at high school, just so you get a picture. So they're the things. Looker, Soul, Lux Listing, Sydney, Domina, Drag Race All-Star Season 6 and Atypical. There's things for you to watch New South Wales. That's what I was getting at, wasn't it? Holy shit. All right. That's enough from me. I'm going to throw to... Michael Lucas and I, I'm just thinking about, we talked a lot about K-Rudd slapping everyone down on Twitter. We were highly amused, highly amused. There's not going to be any videos this week because I have a rotten eye infection. I'll put a photo up so you know I'm not faking. But I've got this huge sty on my left eye. It's so unattractive. You don't understand. And I just said to Liam, I can't do videos this week. So I'm not even wearing a bra. Right now I'm sitting here in like a tie-dye jumper and no bra and ultra pajama pants with a hole in the bum. I am glamour. All right, this podcast is going to be two hours long. Okay, good. All right, look after yourselves. Stay safe. Oh, merch is going on sale Friday. Hoodies, T-shirts. Ugh, talk about it in the outro. I can't now. Love you. Play the music.
M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is M. Salation. Hello, Michael Lucas. Hello, Amelia Rossiano. So much to catch up on. Obviously, we had last week off because of our cat interview. And I feel like I need to formally acknowledge to you your intro. Ah! Well... (laughs) (laughs) Did you always plan to go spiritually and emotionally and existentially deep on my parenting? (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I just legitimately thought about you know, what people would want to know. And obviously people would want to know, you know, what's she like in real life? And it is tricky with you because I do genuinely believe that you're actually quite a lot, like you are how you are on screen. It's just there are other dimensions. So I had to dig into the other dimensions. So, yeah, no, it wasn't wasn't some mission to like, you know, I mean, you know, there's always a part of me that wants to make you cry. <laughs> <laughs> But no, that wasn't my primary motivation. I was just trying to give the information as best I could. Oh, we well, did a great job. It was very kind. Thank you. I think I was speaking a bit too fast. I've listened back to it and I think, no. slow, down, slow down. Look, it takes years to sound like you don't give a fuck when you talk into a microphone. <laughs> you know, it takes years to develop this kind of lackadaisical staccato when you speak. My first time on radio, oh, my God, I read every single word I wrote. It was crazy. So you did great. It was very good. We got lots of great feedback. And I said to you, do you want to take over intros? And you're like, no, I'm good, thanks. Well, but just partially because you have an ability to just talk and be interesting by yourself very regularly. I mean, if I'm asked to do that with not much stimulus, like, you know, every (laughs) thought, I don't know what the hell I'm going to be talking about. (laughs) I also want to pick you up on the fact that you... (sighs) Your face, you're currently rocking a moustache with slightly shorter hair. I see you quite regularly, but I was talking to Marcella about it, my daughter. That's an old-fashioned radio reset for someone who's new to the podcast, and I shouldn't assume they know who Marcella is. I'm just giving you some tips. Mm-hmm. You, you can change your look in a, such a quick fashion. Like, you, you can look super thin one week and then maybe a bit more voluptuous the next and back to super thin. <laughs> and you can grow a mullet. It seems you can grow a mullet in a weekend and then you're back to short sides. And I said to you, that bitch changes his look off, like more than any other man I've ever known. But do you consciously change the look? Do you wake up and go, this is who I am this week? Or is it an unconscious thing? Um, there is, there's really no strategy. I think that is evident if you see, especially my attire. No, it's, I am blessed slash cursed with hair that grows extremely fast, really, really fast. Like I, I basically need a haircut every five weeks. And I've, I've, it's only dawned on me recently that that is not the case with other people. No. But I'm, I'm ready for a haircut every five weeks and my facial hair grows fast. And also, yes, it is true. I particularly put on weight very, very, very quickly. <laughs> You lose it just as quick. You do. Okay. Well, yeah. But but also it's a bit like with a dude, I mean, you know, if you if you change up the facial hair, at, you know, take off a beard, you, things change so quickly. It's like a game of guess who. <laughs> That's basically what it's like. And I get bored of myself, but not bored enough that I'll ever buy a new T-shirt. <laughs> just bored enough that I'll change my facial hair. Oh, my God. You change your hair, not by my rapid standards, but I don't change my hair colour or anything like that. But you you go for the big sort of like six-monthly change. But that was my ADHD, I now know. All that stuff was, yeah, kind of feeding that need for constant change and stimulation. I've found since my diagnosis and therapy and medication, I'm quite content 
Jess Smith. That's why I cut my hair off quite short. It's natural, no dye in it for the first time in my life. Wow. Yeah, I know. And also, I don't feel the need to post on social media as much. And I've really felt a deep desire to get in touch with kind of who I am away from that all and learn about her. So... I'm putting more kind of third-party stuff online rather than also have a massive, like, style on my face, so I haven't been doing a lot of <laughs> videos because of that. <laughs> yeah, that would be a contributing factor for sure. For sure. But, look, all things aside, God, what a riveting start to this week's episode. <laughs> Let me have a sip. It's a good thing nothing has happened in the nation that is Australia oh. over the past few weeks, so people were excited to hear about my facial hair and your style. My style. Oh, my God, we are middle-aged. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I want to talk about, I mean, obviously the biggest news, all eyes on Sydney, all eyes on Sydney. And you did point out we have had a discussion that the unicorn of death made this prediction. Wow. I mean, I know, I know you want to say it, go for it. I just have to bow down in front of the unicorn because I'll be completely honest with you. The unicorn of death came out with the predictions that Sydney was going to have a massive outbreak. We're talking 18 mm. months ago. The unicorn started. I doubted it every step of the way. I really didn't think it was going to happen. I really didn't think it was going to happen. And But, but what is amazing is the unicorn of death knew so much that you have taken on this news. Like there's no I told you so. There's just a quiet sort of knew it. Like you saw it. Like you've already had the vision of all of this. Yeah, but not only I have and made peace with it, but it's, I didn't want it to happen. No, of course not. No, there's no there's no, no sense of, I don't know, sharp Floyd or anything like that. It's just kind of like, yeah, yeah. This, was what was, this was what was coming. And I'll tell you why, because I really studied it and read it all and I could see how slack they were with lockdowns and how Gladys was making the mistake of, you know, calling herself the non-lockdown premier and she's keeping economy going in business. And I'm like, yeah, this is all well and good but what what happens when the virus because there was a lot of articles around that time obviously for the fear-mongering oh it's going to multiple it's going to mutate there'll be new strains blah 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 and I'm like what happens when another strain comes we're Melbourne we're ready to go we can lock down we can shut shut up shop get it done whereas Sydney oh I'm walking around with my mask on just by force of habit 100% and all I see from my friends in Sydney I see online like and Jan Fran everyone I know in Sydney posting Bondi Beach packed Manly Beach packed. Some shops are still open. Like Adairs is at Kmart. Gucci's open by appointment only. That's like when Gucci's open during a pandemic, you're taking the piss. And that's why I was afraid for Sydney. And that's what's happening. It was a deep knowing. It was a deep knowing. It's like... In the Terminator franchise, if you were Sarah Connor, she wouldn't be all, like, manic and crazy. She'd just be, like, holding a gin going, yeah, you know, that's <laughs> the nuclear war is going. Doing a bicep curl in the other arm, holding a gin. Oh, my God. They're my arms. Like, Michelle Obama briefly took on the arm mantle, but Linda Hamilton. Oh, the original and the best, yeah. In, in Terminator 2, Sarah Connor. Mm. So what do you think, Doctor? I have shown improvement, haven't I? And have you seen the new Terminator when she's what she's like in the most recent incarnation of Terminator? Yeah, she looks like power middle-aged lesbian and I adore it. Adore it. I'm sticking her on my dream board. I haven't seen the movie because I've heard it's terrible. and It's terrible. Yeah, right, okay. It's so bad. Like, Scott and I had to put the mute button on for a bit. Like, it was too much, but she... Oh, some of her lines were amazing. Sometimes mommies and daddies have to have grown-up discussions. Anyway, so obviously all eyes on Sydney and all eyes on Gladys. Oh, Gladys. Gladys, Gladys, Gladys. The woman that saved Australia. That was the headline. Was that the headline? There was a cover. 
of, a, of a, I think it was a magazine cover from the Australian Financial Review or something like that. And it was her sitting in this plush couch and she's wearing an amazing suit. She was looking at camera. I'm doing the face now. It was sort of like a, it was just sort of a knowing face. And it, the headline was The Woman That Saved Australia. <gasps> but also, I mean, there are so many interviews that are coming back. And obviously, you know, I mean, shit happens. I, in retrospect, should she have locked down? I don't think anyone's going to deny you. <laughs> but there, there's some interviews. Like there was one interview that they dug up where she was saying, I, you know, I really feel for the people of Victoria and I fear for what the government will do for them. And I just hope that Sydney stands as an example to the rest of the nation that you don't have to lock down. You can manage outbreaks. And, oh, man, the oh fall from grace. The fall. <sighs> This didn't age well, did it? None of that stuff. Really didn't. Like a nineteen nineties teen rom com. Did not age well, Gladys. (laughs) And now she's condemned. She has to go. She has to do a press conference every day. She can't blink. She can't not show up. And I'm watching them. I know you are. I'm watching them, even though I I mean, it's just I don't know what's wrong. I'm obsessed with Gladys and and more so Kerry Chant. Oh, can we talk about Kez Dog? Oh, Keza. She's there, Brett Sutton. She is. Is Brett Sutton with a most sensible, handsome, calming woman on the fight? Tall, oh. tall woman. A tall woman. She'd shop at Country Road. I see it now. She'd own linen, but she doesn't bring it out for the press conferences because it creases when you sweat. But my God, that woman is immaculate, but also a bit of a dork. Oh, a bit of a dog. I love it. So we are obsessed with her pronunciation of names. And so when she reads the venue lists, oh, man, it's a level of entertainment bliss. Like just hearing her voice. <laughs> the Paddington Alimentari, the Pasta Italiana Cucina. <laughs> it's not. Obviously, it's terrible to have an outbreak. Absolutely horrible. We know what it's like, but you've got to take the pleasure where you can find it. And Kerry Chad, the only thing that could have made her delivery of place names better was her spectacle work. (laughs) During a very serious press conference, and honestly it was serious, they were talking about ICU patients, the whole bit was escalating. Kez dog pulled her glasses out and they were just flat out missing an arm. (laughs) And my glasses broke, but that's okay. All right. Sorry, this will make a very, uh, this is a very serious topic, so please don't be distracted by that. And then she didn't just hold them up. Like, I probably would have held them up, you know, like a magnifying glass. Yeah. But she put them on her face. I thought a disclaimer. I hope this isn't distracting because what I'm about to read is very serious. Oh. Like putting putting on a pair of glasses with only one arm. What's going to happen to your glasses? Oh, <laughs> it was a skew like you wouldn't believe. She breast on, but don't get distracted. Oh, she really did. And it was just like, and also keep in mind, she as well, along with Gladys, was the most celebrated CHO in Australia for her approach mm. to this. But like she was. She won the, Woman of the Year, didn't she? Woman last year? of the Year. And so this outbreak, which mm. look, there's no getting around it. A lot of the decisions they made is not aid well to be standing there with your glasses. But I really felt for her, especially because I know what I'm like when I'm in a crazy work friend. Like she's in the kind of work frenzy, you know what it's like, where you wear the bathers for undies. Like she's oh, there. Mate, you do whatever it takes. Get it. You yes. have dry two-minute noodles for a meal. Like you just. Is that. Yes. You put them in your mouth and hold them there for two minutes to make them soft. I've done it. Pour the seasoning in after. Snort it if you have to. <sighs> Poor Kez. Oh, we'll get the footage. We'll make sure my teller puts it up. But. My God. 
So you've got Glad Dog and Kez Dog. Oh, Brad has it as well. He jo- he comes oh. up. <laughs> what did he do? Paraphrases. Occasionally goes off script. Like, how is his bit like the virus may well have to circulate in the community? I would love to have been in on the conversation that Gladys had with him after that one. <laughs> how's, how's, him, how's him literally saying, oh, well, if this lockdown doesn't work, fuck it. Oh, man. <laughs> it's here to say. What a statement. They, he just, he's just given up. He's just flat out going, oh, fuck it, I don't know what to do, guys. No, 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 no. It's your job to know what to do. Oh, my God. Can you imagine the cabinet meetings at the moment? Can you imagine? Oh, my oh, God. Attention. Because it's well reported now that there are aspects of that cabinet, or there are elements in there that really were suggesting that they should just let the Delta go. Mm-hmm. And so that is a tense. Sometimes I've been in meetings at work that have gone wrong where people are acting like it's life and death. In that one, it really was. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. I know. But, I mean, politicians in this country are having an absolute fucking shit show this last week if you were an alien watching and trying to pick a country to invade you would just would you just play where where the weakest (laughs) western ducks (laughs) our government have lost their collective minds and you and i have been obsessed with the pm wars obsessed kevin rudd malcolm turnbull a sprinkling of dutton and scomo have been in this weird kind of byron bay mumptrepreneur influencer linen shop wars i'm gonna put in greg hunt let's let's just whack him in there too (laughs) greg hunt our national chief health minister yes Yes. so all right i'm gonna like i've done a deep dive because i want everyone to be on the same page before we discuss so here we go. On Friday, July the 9th, our PM ScoMo went on a bit of a like a puffy chest media junket saying that his government had secured and fast-tracked shipment of the Pfizer vaccine. And then Pfizer got wind of this and they came out and went, nah, dickhead, this was always the plan. We're on track. We're on our timeline. Wrong.com. And then ScoMo held another presser and said, nah, they're coming sooner than expected because of me. Okay, thanks, bye. Here he is on 2GB making the claim. So you don't think it would have made any difference to pick up the phone to Joe Biden or the, or the global head of Pfizer, for example? You don't think it would have made any difference as far as getting well, extra I support? A, I had a meeting with one of the most senior um, directors of, 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 of global Pfizer when I was in Paris. And was he receptive to the fact of us getting extra supplies and, and backing us in? Yeah, he was, they were all very aware of what we were putting forward and, and those discussions always revealed that what has been put forward out of Australia is well understood and that's why we've been able to bring forward the doses. See, I mean, the proof of these things is in the eating. And, and that is when, we, you know, we, we sought the additional supplies to bring them forward. I should say to bring forward those supplies. And that's what's happened. So then he's gone on to say Health Minister Hunt and CMO Brendan Murphy have been working directly with Pfizer. And Pfizer's like, nope, haven't heard from them. <laughs> and that's when we enter play a K-Rod. <laughs> so, oh, and what an entry it was. <laughs> So ScoMo's been gloating everywhere about, you know, how I fast-tracked the phones, I'm a hero, I'm a hero. And then K-Rudd wrote a letter to him about a phone conversation that he had with Albert Barula, who is the global chief executive officer of Pfizer, like the big dog. He's a vet too, which is a strange thing. Anyway, 
He's written a letter to ScoMo and said, look, I've had a chat with this dude, with Albert, and basically I asked about the possibility of more vaccines for Australia and he said, in response to my representation, Pfizer will do what they can, but they need to hear from some more senior officials from your government because apparently this Albert dude was pissy that he was getting low-level Australian government members contacting Pfizer and not the big dog ScoMo, which is a little bit terrifying that the leader of a major farmer is pissy about not being contacted by the big dog so he's withholding vital vaccines from our country but I digress so <laughs> just want to congratulate you for impersonating Kevin Rudd so that he sounds like Effie and in my <laughs> mind I have just put Effie in the meeting with the Pfizer boss instead of Rudd and it really works for me but continue so he sent the letter to Scammer saying I'm a hero I had a meeting they're willing to talk to you you need to reach out to Albert and somehow this letter Oh, my God, I don't know how it got leaked to the ABC. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Something associated with Kevin Rudd that makes him look good just accidentally leaks this bad for his enemies? I just don't know. So that's come out and then Dutton has chimed in and gone, whatever, dude, not true. Um, Pfizer says no. And then Kevin Rudd's come back and the statement of all statements, basically... Mr. Rugg spoke to the global head of Pfizer as a concerned citizen, not a representative of the Australian federal government. Mr. Rudd would definitely not seek to associate himself with the Australian government's comprehensively, comprehensively botched vaccine procurement program. Drop mic. Boom. Go, Kev. I just, he's just such a little bitch. Oh, and Malcolm. Let's not forget Malcolm. He oh, yeah, yeah. You go, yeah. Well, he took to Twitter. Hang on, wait. Lord John Live Googling. Wait a minute. Wait I a love Live Googling. Yeah, Malcolm weighed in, which is what you want. Another ex-Prime Minister. Just... Yeah. Do you know, while you're Googling, the thing that concerns me is why isn't Albo slinging these? Like, why didn't Kevin Rudd give Albo a heads up on this and so he could have gone on the attack? Because this is what Albo needs to be doing right now. He has been given a gift in the form of fucked up Pfizer vaccine rollout and he's been very quiet. I know, I know. Okay, here we go. Go. He, uh, Malcolm just came in with the, um, thank you, Mr. K. Rudd, for speaking to the chairman of Pfizer to secure an earlier delivery of vaccines. Staggered the vaccination of Australians was apparently not important enough to warrant a call from Scott Morrison MP or Greg Hunt MP <laughs> to the Pfizer box. Oh! It is... Pew, 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 pew! It's real. It's real housewives. It totally is. Unbelievable. I know. So I have so much to talk about on this because I really did do a deep dive on everything. And basically, when ScoMo and Hunt, Hunt, were asked, (laughs) I did say Hunt, you know, have you phoned the head of Pfizer? Like, have you made the big call? Both of them were like, nah, we've just been speaking to the local rep. It's like they're dealing with the Avon lady in their area and not like the head of Avon. Do you know what I mean? Like, they needed to call the head of Avon. And... This has just shown, even if K-Rudd's kind of intervention didn't do anything, what it did expose was the fact that our fucking Prime Minister did jack shit. This is what it exposes. Kevin Rudd was the first senior member of government or ex-Prime Minister that actually went to the head of Pfizer and said, dude, we need help. Mm. Why? That's the first thing. Because obviously our vaccine rollout has been an unmitigated disaster. Like, there's no spinning that. We are the least vaccinated country among all advanced economies, all of them. My favourite podcast, The Daily, mm-hmm. <laughs> made an example of us on how not I to know. roll out of 
I know, we were there, us and Bangladesh. Oh, my God. Now, I'm going to be fair to ScoMo right now. I don't know if we deserve our last standing, and here's why. So the ranking, this is how far I went. I went and read the ranking list and then all the conditions around it, okay? So basically, the ranking list doesn't address the probable hoarding and withholding of the best vaccines that the EU did, which they did do. It doesn't acknowledge which vaccines are actually being used because, you know, like Russia has its own, the Sputnik, so that's easy to access. Mm. And we don't make one. We don't actually make one of our own like the other big countries do. So there's a few things we can against that's fair enough. That's grounds for us being last, though. That's on us if we don't make it. Yeah, but some would argue they're richer countries, bigger economies, and more powerful. You know, do you know what I mean? With, within well, the well, developed we make, countries. We make the old school one, but we just can't make the new fangled no. one. No. So I, had, I went and found a country that we could be compared to, which was Israel, <laughs> and they don't make a vaccine. And they have vaccinated 65% of their population of 9.1 million. (laughs) And pray tell, did their leader go and woo the head of Pfizer? 30 times. Ah! 30 times he called. So at the time, the PM was Benjamin Netanyahu, who's no longer Prime Minister of Israel anymore. But at the time he was. And Albert Brula from Pfizer actually said, I was impressed, frankly, with the obsession of your PM. I got 30 calls. So 30 calls versus donuts from ours. Wow. And not only that, Bula has also, like, he loves a chat, Albert. He spoke about how he's dealt with other world leaders. He spoke to the Japanese PM and got 50 million more doses for them. Old mate Justin Trudeau phoned, got him on the blower. He got more for Canada. Everybody's blowing up Albert's phone, but our guy? (laughs) Fucking hell. First of all, he's like, you guys are going to be at the front of the list. Then he's like, it's not a race. And then he's like, yeah, it's coming at Christmas. Which one is it? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like often as Australians, we're not very good at the ovations to the big international things. It was always like, do you remember like when Hey Hey at Saturday the Midday Show would would interview some sort of global icon and they would present some sort of Australian gift to them? And it was always They'd present Pixie Ann Wheatley to interview them? Present that, but then often it's like, and we've given you, it's it's a pair of booties in the shape of Australia, and you'd watch someone going, oh, so thank you, you so much. <laughs> and that's what I imagine's happening to that. Well, clearly not even that's happening to the Pfizer dude. He's just got rud. Well, it has been, I was reading a lot of subtext, and it, it people a lot of people have suggested that Albert's got a massive ego, because he's the, essentially the most powerful man in the world at the moment, the global CEO of Pfizer. Oh, if you had any instinct for a power trip, if that was that was you in your DNA, imagine ending imagine. up being the guardian of the best vaccine in an unprecedented global pandemic. I mean, my God. Oh, so this guy's just taking calls. And then and then some intern, some fucking Gen Z intern at the office of Scott Morrison's ringing in and he's like, I don't know what his accent is. I think he's Greek. Who is this? Who is this? <laughs> Who is this? I don't speak to them. <sighs> like, I can't believe that ScoMo didn't, didn't put in a call. So he got his first call from the Japanese PM in July of 2020. We didn't make any contact at all until November, and still it wasn't ScoMo. Oh. And so it's taken K-Rod two weeks ago. K-Rod is the first senior official he's heard from, and that's all it took to massage this guy's obviously fragile ego to agree to help us out. Like, this is, this is unquestionable. I know. have been a priority. We should have, ScoMo should have been there right away. He should have had Kylie Minogue and Hugh Jackman with him. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. No, he's Greek. 
Who's our biggest Greek export? Nick Giannopoulos. I feel like does Tina... Oh, no, no. Tina Arena, would she be popular? Tina Arena's Italian. How dare you? No, okay, no, no. But Okay, yep. No, let's just edit that out. (laughs) No, it's fine. What I did learn was that to vaccinate our entire country, it would have cost 780 million US. And that is not that large considering the amount we have spent on COVID relief packages in this country. So Australia oh, yeah. had just gone, I'll just have one for everyone, 20 mil vaccines. Thanks. Say there's 20 million people over the age of 18 in this country. This is the former head of Pfizer distribution has come out and said the Australian government's reaction, quite frankly, has blown our minds and he could have nicked this in the bud. I do not understand why you wouldn't just buy, just panic buy multiples to cover the entire population. Because, it, because he was banking on the fact that... AstraZeneca was going to work. Yeah, oh, and, that we, and, we were, and also yeah. that there's a bit of complacency there, you know, like... Yeah. It wasn't, there weren't people, like in India and other countries, there weren't people literally dying on the doorsteps of hospitals. Mm, so I think mm. I think there's a bit of complacency there. Look, it's really complex. There's a lot of things in play that we will never know or understand because big pharma and government, that's some murky waters, man. I mean, that's... <laughs> That's I, do, I do keep on thinking about it from the Pfizer perspective. Just the employees going, has she been following what's been happening in Australia? <laughs> <laughs> like this this purchase that is stoked with enormous gravity to vaccinate their population has turned into an unprecedented bitch fight. Oh, like it's just. I can't believe. Think about it. Like Dutton, Hunt, Turnbull, Rudd are all bitch-slapping it out in the public arena. Like, it's wild. I know, it's absolutely wild. It's like one of those American daytime talk shows where people would grab hair and rip off wigs and stuff like that. It is absolutely insane. <laughs> and and you know what? And, and I think we all went through this. At the first sniff of it, it was like, oh, for God's sake, just just. I did. I tweeted out. that. Then once it got really savage, it's like, okay, well, if we're here, just keep delivering those acid lines because I am living for this. Fucking 100%. I called them all dickheads. I'm like, stop with the Pfizer pissing contest. Let's do this. And then as soon as you sent me K-Rod's scathing, spicy end line, I was like, okay, game on moles. This is fucked. Let's do it. <laughs> We're already in it. We're already fucked. We may as well be entertained. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I want to make a prediction. Oh, is this in the capacity of the unicorn of death? The magical unicorn of death is speaking. And I want to let you know that I do think ScoMo is genuinely in trouble at the next election. Thank God. Genuinely. If we were both running for Prime Minister against each other, I would cede. <laughs> I fucking wouldn't. <laughs> I know. And that's why you should I would be make a better leader. leader. <laughs> Imagine the campaign. <laughs> oh my god. All right, we need to move on from this. M. Rossiano and Michael Lucas. This is M. To something way more pleasant, actually. Ash Barty. Oh. New Wimbledon champion. Oh. And look, I'm going to say, I'm going to call her a mate. She's a mate of oh, mine. I saw. I saw. Oh. No, well, it turns out a couple of members of her, I think one of her sisters is a big fan of mine. And also, mm. we have the same manager for a little bit of time, wonderful woman named Nikki. Mm. Helped me out for a bit when I was kind of lost at sea, Mm. one of those times. And I always heard stories of Ash and this was kind of in the time where Ash took a break from tennis Mm. because she won Junior Wimbledon and like at 17 she was kind of burnt out and Mm. she's from this amazing family. They live just outside of Brisbane. 
and she quit. She packed up tennis and went home because she missed her family and she was miserable. And she, of course, took up cricket and then, like, became a rep cricketer. And she's also, like, an amazing golfer. She's a freak. Mm. But my favourite part of the Ash Barty story is tennis doesn't really define her. Like, that's that's my favourite thing. Mm. She's just so impressive. Oh, so impressive. Wish she did was you like watch? the Labor Party. <laughs> I no, I did. I wish I could say I did. I, and it got enormous ratings. No, but I didn't watch. But then afterwards, I sort of watched the highlights, and including the last ten minutes of the match. And even <laughs> without being there for the whole thing, I still burst out crying when she won. <sighs> I really did. That moment where she realised and she dropped her I know, knees. I know. So human. Um, oh my god! And then racing up into the crowd. And we all dropped to our knees with her. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps just even saying it out loud. And when she said. That she hoped she made Yvonne Gulagon proud. And- <gasps> oh my god, what a moment! And what? I watched a video of Yvonne today, and she like she was just beside herself with pride. But and the fact that Yvonne was the last, like she's Ash's absolute idol, mentor, hero. She's the last woman to have won Wimbledon. I know. Like, it, all the stars were aligning. It was Nadoc week. I know. It was the last time Nadoc week. It was unbelievable. Everything aligned, and I just. I mean, um, you're going to laugh at this. She's got a mindset coach, Ben Crow, who I'm I'm desperately trying to woo him to be my mindset coach. Hang on, wait. Just to put you in the right frame of mind. Is that what it is? What's a mindset coach as opposed to anything else? A mindset coach is exactly that. A mindset coach is someone who constantly helps you remain present, keep on track, you know, not take things and internalise them, turn your attitude around. I think I, I think I could apply for this job. <laughs> you could. My husband, actually, to be fair, is my mindset coach. I just don't listen to him as much as I should. Oh, my God, I hope he never listens to this. My husband's job is the same as that. He does the same thing for high-powered executives and sports people and yeah. everyday people too. But it's this idea, and I, and I went and did a deep dive on, on him, on Ben, and he says things like, wait, let me refresh my notes. <clears throat> we are the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves and playing tennis is what she does not who she is is. oh profound but you know what she is evidently I don't know how much of it is just her natural being or his coaching but the massive takeaway from her apart from her unbelievable talent is just how incredibly balanced and what a good sense of perspective she has it is crazy I would kill for it I mean she and has she ever had a tantrum no well she attributes all this to him. I mean, wow. she said she was kind of broken. She was traveling heaps. She was away from her family. She was miserable. She wasn't enjoying tennis. Everything was affecting her. She was super sensitive, always upset. And then to just quit because tennis is a full-time job as a junior because you start rising up the ranks literally as an eight-year-old. Mm. And to walk away after winning like junior Wimbledon and making the doubles final, I think it was with Casey Delacroix, in the US Open, or testing me, then she'll have my secret sport nerd comes out. And I really respect walking away from something that you are literally on the precipice of what you've worked your whole life for. And her family totally supported that because so often in tennis, we see these psychotic fathers. Oh, I know, I know. And she, her family supported her. They took her back in and she just wanted to be a normal teenager. At 17, she said enough. And I think that speaks a lot to her character. And so when she decided to come back, she got this mindset coach who's worked with the Australian cricket team. He's worked with surfers. And basically she became a better player when she was able to separate herself 
from tennis and develop who she is away from tennis so that when tennis went wrong, it didn't affect her self-esteem. It didn't dictate her life and how she felt about her life. Mm. And if you can, and that can be applied to everyone's life. If you, mm. that can easily, and I think you can see it in her when someone says, "Oh, you're disappointed." She's like, "Oh, you know, I'll wake up tomorrow and I'll get on with it." Like I know, better to be, what is it? Better to be a good person than a good tennis player. And she drops yeah. things like that all the time. She like loves her. She's got this little niece. Her sister had a baby a couple of years ago. Like she's so grounded and loved and supported that. It doesn't matter if you lose. You know when you've got this great when you when you're tethered to something strong, you'll you'll go and you'll try things because you've always got that safety net behind you. And mm. I just see that in her. I just oh my god. And I just love that she is. She would be at this point the most beloved Australian at the moment. I can't think of anyone so more beloved than her. Michael. I know, but that's part of what I love about. It. I think that's why people love her as well. Yeah. And I love that it's her. I love that she's our national icon at the moment. We've we've cycled through over the decades many different figures have been sort of like the favorite Australian. You know, from Paul Hogan through yeah. Hugh Jackman's and whatnot, but I love that it's Ash Barty so much. I love how low-key she is and how the sense of balance. It is a sense of balance that mm. I, I think I find so admirable. And great for other young tennis players to see. Like, that's the main thing for me because I've known some tennis players and I've trained with them and Scott's worked with a few tennis players and they lose perspective, their families lose perspective, their coaches lose perspective because it's big money. It's, it's one of the richest sports. I mean, you win $17 million if you win the French Open. That's insane money. Mm. You know, so and Ash is Ash is richer beyond. She would be she would be worth I don't know like fifty sixty million dollars now, but she's so low key, and she she has time for everyone. Like like I said, I sent her a message a DM after she won Wimbledon, and she responded almost instantly. I know. Like, I got chills. I got chills. That's wild. And like her and I know each other only through like our manager, and then, like, her sisters come to my shows. Mm. I think Ash has been to see me live too. But, like, what a what a wonderful human. I don't know. Anyway, we've gushed. We love her. We love you, Ash Barty. I'm just glad, you know, she's a good hero for up-and-comers to look to. And also, you know, a few of our male tennis players could take some notes out of Ash's book. <laughs> <laughs> Not naming notes. Oh. <laughs> That's the essence of our relationship. Simultaneously me going, not naming names and you cough spitting it out. <laughs> All right. Now, look, I do want to let everyone know you've had a very stressful week because of this Sydney lockdown. Are you allowed to talk about it? Yeah. Well, yes. I, 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 I've been, well, firstly, I'm incredibly lucky because I've been working on TV shows throughout the pandemic. The downside as a writer is when people get stuck in a lockdown, often you have to write out those characters really, really quickly. And we're in a situation right now where we're trying to get people out of Sydney and there's an exemption process and obviously we'll just abide by, you know, if we're judged that we can get the cast members in, then we'll we'll obviously take them. But if we can't, we accept it. But it's meant that I've had to go into this season of five bedrooms writing double scripts for we might get this cast member or we might not. So there's two different versions and I've never had to do it before. And it's so 
it is like writing a choose your own adventure, but it's also, it's so exhausting because in many ways you're writing something that you actually hope will never be produced. I hope we don't ever have to use this version without these characters. It is really, it's cooked. And I'm, you've, you've been cooked. my eyes are falling out of my head. It's insane. Cried. I really thought I'd faced in terms of production problems with the pandemic. Mm. I've had border closures. I've had, I've had many times where I've had to tell people just start packing your car and come now, all these sort of things. We've had all the PPE or we've had to write out all kisses. We have to do so, and I, I came into this production going, I have faced everything. <laughs> oh, I'll never say that again. <laughs> you, you were Gladys, quite frankly. You were Gladys. I was. I was. Now I you're learning. Not standard. But also the other exciting thing is, and we've posted it everywhere, the newsreader, we've got the first look preview. I just added the Kate Bush song because initially you Thank were going to have that, but I know. you didn't get it. Beautiful. So anywhere I post it, I'm just changing the music. I'm going to be relentless on social media because there is a week in August. On August the 11th, Five Bedroom Season 2 drops, and then August 15th, just a few days later, the newsreader drops. I can't believe this has happened. I can't believe they're in the same week. So proud of you. But they have. I can. <laughs> You're going to have two shows on air, bitch. I haven't had anything on air for over two years because of the pandemic, just to put it in perspective. You're the Osher Gunsberg of screenwriters. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, everyone has to watch the newsreader. Everyone has to watch Five Bedrooms. These are, these are mandatory viewings. We're going to be talking about them, but it's really exciting. If you're in Sydney, you're probably going to be locked down at that point anyway. So, yeah. And we just want to state again, those main characters in the newsreader are not Michael and I. <laughs> I've already had multiple messages. Have, have also, clearly that character's you. I'm like, no, no. What? A fierce feminist woman in the media battling against dodgy old men who want to mm. keep her down. I don't know why people get that impression. <laughs> Aided by her more placid <laughs> male companion who tells her she's wonderful and tries to keep her in check. <laughs> Where did it come from? You are anyway. not helping. Sorry. All right. Well, I'm very proud of you. It's very exciting. We're going to go. We've really waffled because we're recording this at night. My meds have worn off and I've had a drink of wine and you've been going for like 10 hours. So this true. Been... <laughs> I actually woke up at 3.45 this morning and didn't get back to sleep because I had too many things on my mind. So anyway, yeah. Mm, yeah. Well, don't know how that feels. Okay, talk soon. Bye. Bye. This is Emsolation. That's it. It was an anvil. Did I say that? Wally Coyote drops an anvil on the Roadrunner's head. Those triangle, like, weights with the numbers written on them in pounds. It's an anvil. Did I say amulet? I can't remember. It was too long ago. <laughs> Anyway, it was an anvil. It's like I was close, you know. I hope you enjoyed that. I did a lot of talking, I realise. I tried to bring Michael in at the end. Like, I tried to ask him about his week because I realised, like, I'd done all the talking. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll be better. I'll be better next week. There'll be more balanced discussion. Hey, before you go, merch is going on sale. That's right. Our hoodies with the Magical Unicorn of Death and the Enchanted Sea Horse of Hope will be going on sale on Friday. I don't know what time. Just be lurking at my website, mraciano.com. There's also going to be Busy Working Mum t-shirts available. There's also going to be Maximalist Power Queen t-shirts available. There's also going to be totes. I'm pre-warning you now. There is going to be at least a two-week wait on the hoodies. 
but just secure one because I'm predicting they're going to sell out very quickly. But it's not going to be a fast turnaround because I am one woman. They are made in Sydney. Sydney's doing it tough. My warehouse guys, only one of them allowed in there. Everything's going to be slower because of what's going on currently in New South Wales. So just be bear with us, be patient, but it'll be worth it. It'll, yeah, emraciano.com for all your merch needs. How exciting. Also want to remind you to get tickets to the Great Australian Podcast Festival. We are performing Emsolation live. My daughter Marcella will be there. Michael Lucas will be there. I'll be there. I'll probably sing some songs. I'll probably bring my dad. We're on at the Palais. If you just Google the Great Australian Podcast Festival, tickets are like 45 bucks. We're on the Sunday night at 8.30 and it's a live recording of your favourite podcast. Melbourne, why wouldn't you come and support us? We really want to outsell all the other podcasts. So can you please buy tickets? And like tickets, I don't get the ticket sales. I don't, they go towards whoever. I just, we're just getting paid to turn up. So I just, I just want you to come. I just want like bums on seats. So please come. Is all I had to tell you? Yep, Anvil did that. Also, my tour is on sale, but I'm just not going to talk about that for a bit because I have to get my head around it. But if you want to come see me live, please do. What else? That's it. Follow us on our Instagram page. Wow. I'm really scattered. I'm going to have to go to bed. Follow us on our Instagram page, which my daughter runs. And that's it. That's all I have for you. You've been a wonderful audience. If you got this far, my God, you are dedicated to us. And I appreciate it. Appreciate you. I see you. All right. I want to leave you with this. This is something that's really helped me. My takeaway from therapy. Two things. Are you listening? First of all. I want you to start each day and I want you to draw a square around yourself. And I want you to say, I'm going to protect my peace. Okay? If you need to write PMP on your hand, I've been doing that. Protect your peace. Draw the square around you. And basically anything that comes near you that could penetrate the square and damage your beautiful peace for that day, let it bounce off. Anytime you feel yourself getting riled up or drawled in, say to draw in, say to yourself, I'm protecting my peace right now. Fiercely protect your peace. Now, you can't do this every day, but some days you just got to really, really prioritise that. And I've been doing that and I've been so happy. Someone will say something or do something or I'll get something, an email or anything, and usually I would like quickly respond or the gut response. But now, because I've got my little protect your peace square. And the other thing, my other takeaway from therapy is that no amount of negative self-talk will get you to be better or rise to the occasion or achieve the goal you're after. You cannot talk yourself down to achieve anything. So just remember that. There's no point in berating yourself. There's no point in pulling yourself down or saying you're a bad person or you can't do this or you can't do that. And for me as a perfectionist, and now I know why, that has been a massive wake up that if you actually want to move forward and achieve something in your life, you're not going to do that by shitting on yourself the whole time. No one has ever done that or achieved that. So how's that? So what are we doing? What's our homework? Protect our peace. And you cannot move forward if you are bringing yourself down. (sighs) Anvil. That's what we're going to call the episode. I've just decided. I'm delirious. Emsolation with M. Rossiano is a Spotify exclusive podcast hosted by M. Rossiano with Michael Lucas. Executive produced by Benjamin Wosley. Produced by M. Rossiano. Edited by Mark Devilla. 
with videos by Liam O'Bree. Socials by Marcella Rossiano-Barrow. With assistance from Jim Evans and Georgia Watts. And occasional technical trickery and wizardry from M's dad, Vinci. Get more from m with M. Rossiano by following m Podcast on Instagram. You can also join our secret club by joining our Facebook group at m And make sure you're following us on the Spotify app. We, of course, hope you enjoyed this week's episode and we'll chat with you again soon.